You're listening to Addicted to Growth. Join us each week as we sit down with sales, marketing, and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation. New insights, new playbooks, new tech, new lessons. Step forward into growth and development or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. Um, so today we have Gabe on and we're super excited to chat with him. Um, some of the things we're going to be talking about today are hitting targets, um, talking about some tactical events. We are going to talk a little bit about the new responsibilities that salespeople are going to start to have and, and some of the things that we see might be popping up. And then we're also going to talk about um, what success looks like. So um, without further ado, Gabe, welcome on to the show. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Kevin. So excited to be here. Awesome. So yeah, let's kind of like first dive in. Like let's let's talk about targets. Like this is something that I feel like a lot of people like they all have it on their heads, right? Everyone has a quota. And um with our last episode, we actually talked to Chris Walker a little bit about this, about how sales and marketing um both should be focused on revenue. So could you talk a little bit about you know, like the difference between like sales and marketing targets? Um so that way people can kind of get an understanding of kind of where we're coming from. Yeah, historically, marketing would be tied to things like lead gen or qualified leads, number of leads op, uh, created, maybe even opportunities created from the leads. That's one of the reasons why there's a discussion of SDRs, whether or not they should be under sales or marketing, because sometimes marketing is getting credit for the qualified lead and they need the SDR to qualify it before it gets over to sales. But that's probably a different topic or podcast. Um, but, but that's marketing usually. It's leads, qualified leads, volume, conversions, things like that. And then sales historically is the one taking the opportunities, closing the deals, tracking the average contract value, the velocity of sales and things like that. Um, and what we're starting to see right now is everyone kind of getting bucketed in together to make sure that everyone's tied to revenue and that the, the entire assembly line is really smooth all the way from marketing to sales. And that basically means marketing might need to do a little bit of sales and sales might need to do a little bit more marketing than they're used to because of the changes in the industry. So I'll kind of take a pause there, but that's what comes to mind. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that the, the roles are, are starting to kind of merge together a little bit. And I think that, you know, there's been a lot of silos created within organizations and they have their metric within their silo. Right. And then all of a sudden it's, well, sales, of course, you know, we closed the deal and marketing is like, well, we delivered the deal on a silver platter and who gets the credit. And I think all these different silos creates this, I don't want to say animosity necessarily, but it's misalignment on metrics and goals and who gets the, the, the credit, right? How do you think companies start to bridge that gap? Yeah, well, it always started with like, if you think about classic sales and marketing, marketing, you'd go to marketing and be like, why aren't any of the leads closing? And marketing would just blame sales. And you go to sales and you say, why aren't any of the sales closing? They would just blame marketing. And it's like, how is that an effective team environment? And the reality is that was the norm in, in a lot of corporate structures, right? And you can quickly see through that type of culture how it's not going to be conducive to optimizing results. So what started to happen is now the marketing person needs to be tied to sales productivity and the salesperson needs to be tied to lead gen productivity. So what that means is if a salesperson has a quota of 100%, whatever the pie is, maybe 25% can be committed for marketing, but then the, the uh, rep needs to know 75% is going to be a self-sourced lead, which might be a new concept to a lot of sales reps having to generate their own leads. And that's an example of how sales and marketing now are starting to get closer together and actually overlap with responsibilities a little bit. Nice. And, and for, you know, for sales, you know, I think there are more and more, we're starting to see those full, you know, full cycle sales reps pop back up where they're doing, you know, the, the hunting, the closing, you know, they're, they're doing a little bit more of that SDR plus AE roles. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that, you know, are, if you're seeing some of that yourself, is there something that those types of reps are doing differently that's leading to success, whether it's through, social selling, whether it's through their approach on how they're communicating with potential customers, anything that you, you see out there that's, that's valuable or unique? Yeah. In terms of what are they doing better than other reps that were recently put in the situation? Yeah. Yeah. I think what's also interesting is even 
let's let's talk about that specifically. I was going to say, even with an AE that might have an SDR in the new market, that AE will probably still have to do some lead gen because yep. marketing and their SDR probably still won't be enough to hit their quota. But let's focus anyways on just a full cycle AE right now. Um, that happened actually to one of our, our large clients. They had an entire team of SDRs. They're like, actually, our AEs now are full cycle in this market. We're going to save a million dollars, same quota attainment, kind of there you go. So um, let's go into the, the tactical answer though here, which is what are some of the things these full cycle AEs can be doing uh, now that they might not have an SDR, for example? I think that was yeah. Yep, yeah. Okay, cool. So the first thing to think about is um, top of funnel activity. And at any point too, Travis, you can just cut me off if you want to jump in or anything though. Yeah, no, go ahead. All Keep right. going. You're full <laughs> So um, typically AEs are really focused on um, bottom of funnel activity. And it seems like their managers are constantly reminding them to do top of funnel. Like, hey, are you are you working new leads? Are you working new opportunities? Or are you just calling back your warm leads that might close over and over and following up? And the difference now is to take it even a step further and say, not only do you need to work new lead, uh, new opportunities, but you actually need to be in charge of generating some net new qualified leads. And there's a few creative ways you can do that. So one of the ways that everyone's been talking about lately is just creating some type of consistency on social media. Most people are doing it on LinkedIn, but you can really do it on any platform where you have any kind of following. So if you're a sales rep and you ever went on Twitter and like five people liked one of your jokes, go back to Twitter, you know, and tweet a little bit more and you'll be surprised in six months, one of the people that like your jokes is going to be a VP of sales at Oracle, you know, and it literally just starts like that. So I can give uh, more tactical uh, uh, steps there, but um, I don't want to tangent too much. So the very first thing I would say is getting consistent on a social channel. It doesn't even have to be LinkedIn. Yeah. And I think one thing too, that I'm thinking about as well, like speaking of like tactical events, like, can you talk a little bit about like accountability in like the reality? Cause I feel like one of the things that we chatted about before, um, is like, okay, well, how are people going to stay accountable to like doing these tactical things? Like, right. I, I, I don't know if that switches the, the lane of where you're going with this, or if this is something that kind of, you feel like it's still related no, that's great. Yeah. Uh, before it was really easy to punt a lot of the accountability to the company, especially when the company had so many resources to allocate that they could literally say, Hey, 50 or 75% of your leads will come from marketing. And it would be built into a lot of rep plans that they don't have to self source. And those are just the expectations. But the, the reality now is that reps will not be able to hit quota based on the same uh, expectations of the past, which is the support for marketing. They're just not going to be enough leads. And that's the difference between the change in industry that we're seeing. Um, before it was lots of marketing budget, lots of leads. It was um, uh, all about optimizing contract value. And now in this new market, it's less leads. There's worse conversion rates. And you really got to hustle and hunt for every single opportunity. So that means we need to be realistic with what's changed because oftentimes, our quotas aren't going to change that much because we don't want our salaries to change that much because we don't want to get paid less. So which means the company's not going to lower our quota, which means we have more work to do in a worse market. So that's kind of where the accountability takes, um, takes hold. That's, that's interesting, Gabe. And, and one of the things that it just kind of paints for me is that like, wait, so it sounds like salespeople are going to sell and like actually do a little bit more work. And this is something I, as a longtime SDR, it's something that I've always been like, yo, y'all get fed inbound leads and get commission when y'all have someone that raises their hand and you send them a contract. I'm sorry. But when that happens to me, I'm like, wow. Bro, like I hunted all these school districts all over the country. I like set up breakfast and you just sent them a contract and you got like a five grand commission on the deal and we got paid for a meeting. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, so salespeople are going to have to sell again and it's just going to be a little bit leaner of a model is what it sounds like. Yeah, that, that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, order taking, I think, is is out the window at this point. I got to be honest. You, you guys are talking. You know, like order taking was the phrase I was I was thinking, <laughs> and it's like I've never worked in that environment, right? Like I've never, and, and trust me, I know they exist. I'm not I'm not challenging that, but I've never worked in an environment where it was like sales was easy, right? I don't know. Have you guys? <laughs> 
Yes, this is what I was talking about. And right, so that's crazy to me, but it's interesting. But I think I think you're right. Like I think what how things are evolving is that sales is going to have to like sales reps will have to do more, right? Like, and and I think they're going to have to do new things. I think they're going to have to be insanely creative. I think that you know, and, and Gabe, you mentioned this, like be really active and, and kind of find your niche on some type of social channel because email is as noisy of a channel as it possibly could be right now. And it's become a social norm, just not respond to an email, right? Like that's okay nowadays, like just to ghost somebody, right? And not, not respond. So um, if, if you're, you know, coaching a, a you know, a, a rep in their they buy in, they're like, yep, social is the way to go. I got to build like a bit of a brand. How would you, like what kind of tips, tricks, advice would you give them for, for you know, starting to build a social brand, kind of starting from, from nothing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and one quick thing too, I was just going to say order taking, I just meant almost like inbound lead. When an inbound lead comes in and they're like, oh, I've heard of your company. My friends use you. How much do you cost? You're like, okay, that's like a layoff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for sure. No, I mean, no real sales job is order taking. So I hear that. Um, so I think the question here was, what are some of the steps someone can take if they want to start acting on that? Yeah, like you know, if they if they're like, I got you know a hundred connections on LinkedIn, or I've got zero followers on Twitter, how do they start building that brand? Yeah, I remember um, I was getting ready to launch Always Hired, and I met with um, a really smart uh, marketing person I know, Kate Talbot, and I was asking her what tips she had, and she was like, one of the main tips you should do if you're going to start a business is uh, start personal branding, because you, when people think sales, you want them to think Gabe, and when people think Gabe, you want them to think sales, and the same concept applies to an SDR at Salesforce or at Outreach. You know, when these SDRs want the market to think, okay, when a founder or an executive needs to start growing their sales team, who do they think of? You know, right now they might think of someone as famous as Morgan Ingram. Um, and no knock to him, but anyone could do that if they wanted to, right? I mean, like he's really smart, so I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean like that's the bar that we can all set for ourselves. And the way we do it, um, some of the tips that I got that I like to share is number one, the quality of content in the beginning does not have to be that good. And I'm sorry to say that on a recording, but it, the most important, the most important thing is, is, is consistency. And then through your consistency, your quality will improve. But I found the number one reason people don't post is because they're afraid of the quality. And that's why I mean the quality is not something that should hold you back. Um, yeah. So you got to kind of, you got to put it out there enough, right? The consistency is almost getting it out there, measurement, and then finding out how do I optimize, right, through my experience, right? Uh, I yeah, absolutely. And then what you can also do is you can think about, okay, who's a target account I'm trying to sell to? Maybe one of my posts this week, I'm, repur I'm repurposing their blog. And I'm starting to use my target accounts as people that I'm shouting out in my own social media just to do what we've been hearing a lot about, which is deposits and adding value. And, you know, that's a great way to get started. You don't even have to use your own content. Just repurpose the content of the people you're trying to sell to while you build your brand in the space. So it's a good shout out for them too, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? So those are some tactical ways to get started. I found that super interesting too. And like this kind of touches on the, the new responsibilities of salespeople in a way. And like specific engagement, this is something that I talk a lot about when I talk to other SDRs and um, other sales leaders. And it's like the idea of creating a campaign for your own LinkedIn that ties in your target accounts that you need to hit for the year. And like, that's one of the things that I don't think I'm seeing a lot of it. And again, I could be wrong. Like again, could we all could be wrong about everything we're saying. Right. Um, but one thing that I'm super interested to hear about and from your perspective, Gabe is like, how could like an like SDR, right? Someone just came through boot camp, they're done. Now it's like, hey, like I have a whole set of target accounts. Like if they built out a yearly plan for okay, these target accounts are gonna, you know, be up in April, these are gonna be up in May. Like, let me at least shout them out once a week, maybe interview one of them a week, and then as you go, it'll just kind of compound to your consistency to your point earlier. Yep. Yeah, and the uh 
the question there is, or what's the question there? Sorry if I missed well, it. Sorry, it was kind of, it was a thought that I'm like, thought I'm with. I like the thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No elaborate. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much what I mean by that is like, what are going to be some of the new responsibilities, right? Because to the responsibility question, like lead gen, social branding, uh, blogs, podcasts, automation yeah. and nurturing, like, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the things we're already starting to see with the rise of tools like SalesLoft and outreach and um, how Lead IQ can help you generate leads is that a salesperson can become a marketing person. I mean, five years ago, salespeople weren't sending marketing campaigns, right? And everything that they sent had to be approved by marketing. Nowadays, you get an SDR, you give them outreach, and you're like, all right, go create a, go create a customized campaign. Like that used to be marketing's job, right? But that's an example of some of the things that, that sales is, is taking on now um, with their uh, responsibilities. And um, other things that they can really be doing is things like um, uh, blogs and podcasts and even something as simple as just quoting people. I think a lot of times we get caught up in, in the quality again of the content, but even just a quote every once in a while, or I once posted on LinkedIn just saying like, I'm getting stir crazy in quarantine. Who else is feeling this way? And it's like, it was just about sharing something with people, you know, and being authentic. And um, I think those are going to be some of the the directions um, that we see things going in. Yeah, I I, I totally agree because I think as I'm talking with with my sales reps and and over the years of doing this, it's like a lot, one of the questions I commonly get is like, what sales book should I read? And I, I can suggest and rattle off a ton of sales books but what I find myself suggesting now is you should be reading copyright books and you should be reading books on marketing and how to communicate with your customers. And because the role is evolving, the technology is there to enable the change, right? So it's like, you can become your own marketer. You can create your own marketing engine with a sales loft and outreach, et cetera. The, the tech space over the last couple of years, especially for sales and marketing has just like, completely like exploded, right? Like before you had maybe like one or two options and now it's almost like you're at this like crazy buffet of a hundred different options. It's a noisy, noisy space. Is there like, and you don't have to necessarily list specific companies unless you have them, but are there certain categories within sales tech that, Hey, look, if if you're going to build out your sales tech stack, I definitely need this. I definitely need this. Yeah, um, let me answer it two ways to be totally transparent. First, let me answer it um, with some of the companies we work with that I'm clearly going to be biased to. And I would personally use them and we teach our students to use them. But they're not the only way to get stuff done. So I'm a little biased there, but I love email tools. Um, like you mentioned, e- uh, outreach or sales loft are a must have. Then you need to be able to find your own leads. I love Lead IQ because it lets you generate a lead list directly from LinkedIn. And most sales reps are living on LinkedIn right now. I also like using Crunchbase Pro, which is going to tell me um, different triggers and events that these companies are going through, whether it's fundraising, a new executive, um, things like that. I love using Vidyard, so I can send a quick message with a smile. They can see that I'm real, and I can even show them the research I did on the website of theirs. Like, hey, I saw this blog about yours. Um, So that's another really uh, popular tool. Um, I think think the biggest thing to take into uh, consideration when a sales rep is thinking about the tools is a lot of tools now try to do everything and rightfully so, because that's how you start. You start with kind of one thing special, specialized and then you grow into everything. And I think a lot of times that intimidates reps because it feels like they're learning to use a sales force and um, they need a, a full walkthrough. So what I would recommend for a new rep that's looking at these tools is try to start with a, a really basic tool for your first one that can just do one thing. And then once your brain sees how much value you're getting from learning this new tool, then it's going to be a lot easier to go after the full suite of services or solutions these kind of tech tools can use. So I I name dropped a couple, and that's also kind of my philosophy to a new rep, new to tools. Pick something really basic, just get one lift, and then take it from there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I actually had on an episode, I was talking with someone yesterday and I was talking about how, like, again, I love outreach. I love sales loft. I love both of you. And it's one of the things that as like a manager, you have to pick between the two, right? Like it comes down to those two typically. And one of the things that we were saying, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if the two leading companies in the space teamed up and just made sales acceleration and sales enablement and engagement like way better than it already is. And I I don't like, 
I don't see it happening. And this was like the idea of community over competition that was discussed. And so it's one of those things that like, I, again, this is one of my like crazy out there things. I think that by having more companies that are in that upper right area of a Gartner quadrant or on G2 crowd in the top 10 or top five, if more of those companies were collaborating together, then I think it it could make an interesting, um, more valuable community for all the users because they'll be able to solve problems faster. They'll be able to see things from two different perspectives that will in turn help the long-term viability of their users. And it'll speak directly to, you know, that whole community of a competition. So end of rant. Yeah. That's super interesting. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and I, I want to pivot for a second because, Gabe, one of the things I think is super interesting about what you guys do is that there's a tremendous focus on, on training, right? It's really getting people ready to emerge into tech sales. As we see like the sales world sort of evolving and innovating, I think sales training, sales enablement is being placed on like, it's getting a, a bigger spotlight, right? How are you seeing that evolve within organizations? Are, are, are you seeing the value you drive be, like, you know, a lot because of the, the training and the way you prepare sales reps? Yeah, the biggest thing that's happening right now is the appetite for risk has decreased. So before in the previous market we're in, no one really cared that much about risk because it was all upside. It was all upside. No one cared about risk. Now, I mean, it's flipped. Right. I mean, now it's all about preservation right now. So it, it, there really has been an overnight change in the way people are growing their businesses. Now people are growing through saving on expenses as opposed to optimizing right top line. So um, that's that's created an opportunity for us because that means you have less room for error when you hire a sales rep or when you hire a team. Um, so things that I've noticed that are, are really starting to get clamped down on are, for example, ramp targets and onboarding. And now what companies are realizing is before, if you had a ramp that was teetering after three months, you might give them a little bit more time to try to get to six. Now what I'm hearing from most companies is by three months, we're just going to make a decision no matter what. And that's an example of how the expectations have changed. And then obviously that gives us an opportunity to say, hey, well, why don't we make sure your ramp times are good? Why don't you manage our conversions to your conversions, things like that. Um, But that's how we've seen the change impact so far. And how, in speaking to like a little bit deeper on ramp targets and onboarding, like what are some things that the companies that are adapting well that you've seen are doing a good job of that other people could learn from? Yeah. And this is like for quota attainment for a new hire. Yeah. So one of the things that I've seen them do is they're starting to build in um, the expectations that sales has some marketing responsibilities, specifically lead gen and qualifying leads. They're building that into the interview process. They're building that into the offer letter. And they're building that into the onboarding. So it, it, it can be a bit, for, a bit much for a company, but it's great when you can go to a sales rep and say, hey, you have a $100,000 quota this quarter. We, we're going to tell you 25% is going to come from marketing. You got to get the other 75%. And that clarity makes a big difference when you're dealing with a sales rep. Um, Kevin, were you going to say something as well? No, I was just, I, I, you're, as you're saying it, I'm just like, it's just in my head, I'm like, it's spot on, right? Like a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> a sales rep looks at their quota and then like, all right, cool. Like I'm just going to sit back. I'm away from marketing. Give me some leads. I'm going to close some stuff and I'm going to, I'm going to get there. And then what tends to happen is that they're a month, two months into building a pipeline. They're like, I'm not getting enough. Right. And at that point, like they have to pivot and now they're trying to figure out ways to, to build this pipeline, which we know takes a lot of time. Right. right. And, and you know, it's just time consuming to build the list and, and to cultivate and do the research. And it just takes time to start having these conversations. So having that very much upfront expectations of like, here's what you get from marketing. Here's what you're going to do. Right. Like it, it, it just sets the tone and yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's just interesting. So as you're saying, I'm just like spot on. So kudos for that one. <laughs> and, and one thing, if I could add to that, Travis, really quick, unless were you going to move us on or add to that no, as well? No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to add, but I'm going to add after you add. So go ahead. Okay. okay. Adding to the addition. Um, another thing too, that I've seen companies do similar to that is they lay out a 90 day onboarding for a social plan. So for example, when a new person starts at a company, how much excitement and hype is there? There's hype from the company side. Look, we're hiring in the middle of a pandemic look at us, how successful must we be? And think about the person who just got hired, going to their family saying they got a job in tech. Everyone's going to be like, who are you? That's insane. You must be a machine. 
So capitalizing on that hype, asking, I mean, you don't have to force them, but you ask your new sales hire, hey, do you want to be featured in our blog? Do you want to write a blog about why you chose to work here? And then in 45 days, do you want to write a blog about your experience? And then 90 days, do you want to write a blog about your ramp? And then in between that, you can kind of color in the, the content marketing strategy. But like by the end of 90 days, that new hire is going to be crushing it and is going to be a name in your little circle because of the hype. And that's a, a, the last part I was going to add of what companies are doing right now. Uh, that hit right on what I was going to add, add, because I just, I saw someone literally before this post, no real engagement. He posted, he started working at TikTok. This dude got thousands of likes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I was like, hold up. Because me, be, being the researcher that I am, I, I'm on LinkedIn, right? I'm looking and I'm like, what the, f-? I was like, what happened here? And I look and I'm like, dude just announced he got a job at TikTok. Why did 5,000 people like this job? Like what? And then, But to your point, now, if you think about this from a marketing play, if every person did that, Hey, like you all see this shit on LinkedIn. Excuse my French. I just got a job at so-and-so like, woohoo, 5,000 <laughs> likes. Right. Uh, but little did you know that 150 of those people actually are your ICP. Mm-hmm. And so now that they initially got likes on that onboarding, like you made an impact before you even started working here. Now, you know, maybe you're going to have more of a social play moving down the line. So I think that's super Absolutely. interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's just like the hype, you know, people just want to be excited and congratulate you. And, you know, it's interesting, like the content plan you rolled out though, right? Like you, you drop that, you made this announcement, I'm working at TikTok, Right. And then what happens is you don't post again for like six months and, and all that hype and all that momentum just falls off a cliff. Right. But what you talked about, which is really interesting is that there's this opportunity to, to bring in, like to bring in new hires and, and have them be interviewed on a blog right? Or, you know, write their own blog post about why they joined this company. And it, A, it creates such a cool sense of culture internally. So I think you're doing, you know, you're doing something outside of like the demand gen side of this, the marketing side of this, like it is culture. It's also employer branding. So you're getting out this amazing thing about why this person loves working here. So then all of a sudden, all these other people are going to read it. And then kind of subtly in there, you're dropping like seeds about like, well, the value prop is like unreal and we're helping companies with this, this, and this. And then you're getting leads and you're like, all of a sudden you're realizing this like fairly simple to execute content plan is achieving demand gen, culture, and employer branding. I haven't heard that idea before. So to me, that was just like a mind blown moment there. So amazing. That's really cool. Right on. Yeah. The hype, the hype is real around that stuff. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's such a good point though. Like I I never thought of it like that either. Um, but like, cause you have to find ways to scale that stuff, right? Like you got to find, especially today, you know, every employee is being asked to do more than their typical role responsibility. Right. And so if, you know, if I'm thinking about like, again, we're, we're all kind of thinking about in our lane, like, how do I sell more? How do I get more leads? How do I build a better culture? But I think if there's, there's more collaboration, you can start to figure out like, like that idea is perfect because it hits, it, it helps achieve three different things by doing one. Right. So the, the ability to scale that, repeat that, and then your consistency with it is super interesting. Do you have any other crazy ideas like that where you can do one thing that starts impacting the whole or because I want to steal all of them? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, I'll give you a way to even just scale that piece out. Um, so one way to do it is just to create frameworks or templates that you give to everyone. So a lot of times you just give the direction and that kind of can overwhelm the rep. But if you just give them a template that's like why you decided to join, what you're excited about, what you're looking forward to in the future or something like that, it's really easy to scale it. So what I would do is I would take the strategy and then I would actually write some templates, almost like it's collateral, like official collateral you're giving inside your company. Um, and that would, that would be another tip. Um, the last one, this one is, is, is hit or miss. Um, but uh, I've seen a lot of people go in through other influencers. So what they're doing is instead of them um, posting uh, themselves is they'll just take someone else's content, tag them or quote them 
and then use that as their own post because it's already done so well. And you can do that also with content or anything like that. So I know it's not a huge difference or a huge additional creative thing like you asked for. No, but it, 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 it adds value. It scales. Yeah, that's why. Who, I saw two people do this. I want to say uh, G from Nextiva did this with, um, oh my God, who's the guy from Shark Tank? Oh my goodness. Mr. There's, Wonderful. There's, yeah, that there's guy. a couple of them. What, Mr. One of the, I think so. Um, Kevin, I think his name's Kevin. Kevin yeah, Kevin Syndrome. No, that's yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. We know the guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he said that they they did a video with him shouting out um, the company and then sent it to their prospects. Like, and I saw the same thing. John Barrows. I'm not. I don't know how he this happened, but I'm sure it's similar. Tactics, it's called right? cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cameo. I have a friend who's who's on there and gets a lot of. He, he's on there, but yes, it, it's a thing that I think to your earlier point is going to start happening more. Kevin, I know you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Very yeah, I was going to say. You know, it's like it, it's it's sort of that you know, Instagram influencer who is you know promoting a new energy drink type thing. Right. Like you, you always see like B2B is always like a couple years behind B2C. Right. So I think you're going to start seeing, you know, people with a big following, you know, you're going to see people that have a big presence and, and, and a voice on different platforms be able to go and shout out a company like sales loft or outreach. And that is going to be like, they'll get paid like, Hey, just like a, a one spot, you know, payment of this and shout us out and it's going to drive revenue. And, you know, to an extent, Travis, it, it probably dovetails well into a lot of stuff that you talk about, which is around community building. Yeah. And I, I actually had this idea and I, I love that you reminded me of it, but I literally had one of my friends is on a reality TV show and I was like, bro, like what if you shouted out a B2B company? Cause like half of the people that are up in B2B watch the show, right? Like even he did a shout out for one of my friends and some of his employees were like, Oh my God, like, I love that show. I can't <laughs> believe you got so-and-so to put your book up. And like that thought right there, that kind of hits me And like, we can go deeper on that later on. But like, when you think about it, if you can connect consumers to who they already trust, like, and want to spend time with, and if your brand is just like there, like, Hey, so-and-so, like, I know you work in tech and like, we appeal to tech audiences. And like, at some point, if you have a group of influencers that are on a reality TV show that they watch, like people are going to see it. And that's the whole point of why you market stuff anyway. Right. Yeah. So trade something that it made me think of too, uh, is that when you're, when you're thinking about building community and, and I left this out when doing like the 30 or the day one, day 45, day 90 kind of blog post thing I talked about, um, it is really important to have a strategy of like, okay, I want to go after my target audience. Who is my audience? What do they like? But it's also equally as important to focus on the community building aspect. A big problem I see when sales reps start posting online is they're just posting like discounts and promotions every week. Like, honestly, no one gives an F. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not what social selling is. I think a lot of people need to realize that to be a good salesperson now, it's going to be more than just convincing you and getting in your face and saying, Hey, here's the right value prop. What's your budget? What's your authority? What's your need? What's your timeline? It's not going to be as, as congruent as it used to be in the past. So really focusing on the community aspect and just seeing, just thinking, how can I help? And then after 90 days, if people think you're helpful, the leads will come, right? I mean, the leads will come. You don't need to sound desperate and always ask for them. So it's, it's no longer that, you know, closing with a hardcore, like call to action, right? It's just, right. you know, it's providing value. It's providing ways to help. It's creating, it's sparking up conversation, getting people to think maybe in a little bit of a different way or, you know, challenge the status quo, mm -hmm. but you're not really asking for anything in return. Right. And if somebody wants to buy, they'll raise their hand. And, and that's really what I think, marketing has been trying to achieve, but just with like gated content and really bad metrics, right. sales is trying to create this in a really organic fashion. Yeah. And then once they raise their hand, you still have to put them in a sales process. Right. So it's not, it's like, it's a shift in mentality, but it's not even necessarily a shift in practice. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well said. Yeah.
Yeah, and I love this. And I think like one of the other things that I feel like it, it touches on too is we talked about a little bit of scale of what we're doing. Like how do we scale this, right? Like let's talk about what would happen if every rep posted for the next 90 days. Like that's yeah. something I think to the 90 day plans that you talked about, but like let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing that would happen would be a ton of uh, engagement. I mean, personally for us, when we have good posts on LinkedIn, we can go to our website, we can see our traffic increase, and we can see the referral coming from LinkedIn. So it's very, very easy for us, number one, to drive traffic from LinkedIn. So that's the first thing you're going to see. You're going to see an increase in traffic to your website. And as a result, you're likely to see some leads come in. I mean, I don't know what everyone's conversion from their website is. It's probably different per channel, but more website traffic equal more leads. So that's one thing. Um, the next thing that's, that's uh, one of my favorite parts is people start inbounding on your LinkedIn. I mean, there is nothing sweeter. I mean, I used to love it as a sales rep getting an inbound lead on the website and seeing it in Salesforce. You know what I love now? When someone DMs our team on LinkedIn, like what's warmer than that? Like them texting the rep directly because they found the number on a directory. Like, it's insane, right? That people are coming to our social media and inbounding. So after 90 days, I would expect that next month, you're going to get at least, at least two net new leads. And they're going to be pretty warm. So hopefully you'll have anywhere from a 30 to 50% conversion rate. I don't know how qualified they'll be. It depends on your industry usually, but uh, you're going to start generating actual leads and pipeline by the end of the 90 days. Specifically, I'm talking through inbound leads in your LinkedIn messaging. So um, those are some of the things that, that you can expect through consistency, the website traffic and the leads. I think that's dope. And it's one of the simple things where you think about it, you're like, wait a minute, like, who am I spending my time with? Because this is something that I've like reflected on as well. I'm like, wait a minute, like, who am I engaging with on LinkedIn? What sorts of questions am I responding to? Like, who's tagging me and what sort of comments? And then over a period of time, you'll start to see, you're like, oh, wow, like, I'm with some sales reps, I'm with some sales managers, some VPs of sales, I'm with marketing people. And you're like, wait, so like, what do these people want to know? And how can I give it to them? Right? Like, what, are, who, what other influencers do they follow? What other brands that they look at? Like, do they even post anything themselves? And I think to your point of like this inbound um, traffic generation from LinkedIn, it's like one step further to kind of get everyone who isn't yet on LinkedIn caught up. It's like the reason that this stuff is happening at the second level is because you were doing a good job of being consistent at the top level. Like right. you're, you're focusing on the right areas and you're hanging out in the right places. So I just want to touch on that real quick because I feel like this is something we chatted about a little bit earlier, Kev, about like salespeople selling to salespeople and marketers selling to marketers. It's like, well, those people understand each other the best, but sometimes if someone's trying to like find a persona or um, trying to find um, their ideal client, like they don't necessarily know how to engage with them on a channel like that. They just know how to talk to other people like them. So challenge yourself to go out and talk to people who aren't like you and, you know, try to find, you know, where your people are hanging out on, on LinkedIn, especially. Yeah. And one small word of encouragement there is, you know, at this point, the business landscape has changed dramatically, even from five or 10 years ago. And specifically what I'm referencing here is like communication styles and expectations of leadership teams and executives. Like nowadays, an executive doesn't necessarily care if you make a mistake. They just want to see that you're like gung ho and hungry and like care about your career. So it doesn't even matter if you're not even saying the right stuff right off the bat or if you're screwing up. They just want to see, are you trying? Will you own up to it? And will you give it another shot? And, and that usually is enough to create momentum. So I think it goes great to your point, which is, you know, figure out what's the right thing to say. Um, and even if you don't know, still try, you'll learn. And they probably won't hold it against you. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because that's, it's, it's sort of the theme of the conversation I'm having with a lot of, with my reps today is be creative. Just, just try really, really hard. You know, like what worked a couple months ago is not going to work today. Um, but I think as a sales rep, as a whole, you're going to kind of get this longer leash. If you're showing you're, you're always trying to evolve. You're always trying to reinvent yourself. You're trying, you're learning, you're growing. You know, I think, I think, realistic, realistic sales leaders understand you're going to have good months. You're going to have bad months. You're going to have great quarters. You're going to have some pretty shitty quarters too. But if you're fairly consistent in your, your desire to learn and your growth, then 
you're going to have a there's going to be a little bit of a longer leash, I think. Um, or at least for me, uh, I'll say it, you know, personally speaking, um, Gabe, I do have a question for you because you have started always hired, uh, what almost five years ago now, mm-hmm. right? So over the course of the last five years, you've been speaking to CEOs, heads of sales, hiring managers, uh, your, your client list is really, really impressive. I'm sure you've seen probably some themes and some changes in terms of five years ago, what a sales leader was looking for when they were hiring somebody to today. Can you highlight maybe what some of those changes are or even some changes you anticipate seeing in the future? Yeah, so some of the biggest things um, was leaders really focus on solely experience. Someone who's uh, been there, been there, done that. Um, What we quickly learned is that an SDR with three years of experience that's been there, done that, isn't necessarily a good fit for an SDR at your company. I mean, if someone's already been an SDR for four years, it can sometimes be tough to give them a new SDR role. And that, and that changed a lot of the perception around sales because before that you would just, it was a little risky taking an AE from Oracle and making them an AE at your company. But like, that's how you hired AEs, right? It's like, have you been an AE? Have you sold software? Have you sold this deal size? Have you sold to this market? You have? Okay, great. 180K, come do it for us. But you can't really take that with an SDR because if an SDR was really hitting quota, my understanding is they'd probably get promoted over a three-year period, right? I mean, I'm not talking six months, over a three-year period. Yeah. So it, it broke this, this, this theory that we had, which is we have to hire based on experience. And then what happened is, well, we hired a bunch of people without experience. And that also didn't really work. <laughs> like, some of them were successful, but like the churn rates were just too high of like the, the attrition rates of the talent, right? And then what people realized is that you just need to find someone who's willing to do whatever it takes to be successful. And then you need to tell them what you think it takes to be successful at your company. Because that's going to be different at every company. And by, ha- by being able to remove the BS and have that level of realness, hey, one of our features is lacking, but our pricing is really strong. Are you going to be able to get around that till our feature is released the beginning of next year? Like that's something we would usually hide away from because we want to kind of tell the sales rep. We're the best. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't work like that anymore. So even from a recruiting standpoint, from an expectation standpoint, um, those are some of the changes that I've seen happen um, in the market. Sounds like a utility player is going to start to be a thing, Kev. Telling you, man, you know, like we, you know, Travis and I were talking and again, like we, we even discussed a little bit, but there's, there's a lot of silos in the customer journey, right? It's like marketing's interacting with you. And then all of a sudden you get past this SDR, right? And then, you know, I'm firing away a million qualifying questions at you. And you're like, dude, we just met like back off. <laughs> and then I throw you over for a demo, but it's kind of another discovery question call, you know, like it just a poor customer experience at the end of the day. And I think what a lot of companies are looking at is, Hey, how do we make the customer experience better? And I think we're moving some silos and, and thinking more like a utility player, you know, who can do a little bit more of more silos. Um, but secondly, I think companies are looking at it from a cost perspective too. And it's, it's until you get to this crazy momentum, repeatable revenue, which is like the Holy grail that everyone's chasing. It's hard to make that math work. Right. So uh, are, are you seeing companies sort of evolve into that, you know, more like utility player type function and, and removing some SD repurposing SDs? I mean, what, what are you sort of seeing? Uh, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing some companies uh, remove the SDR position altogether. Um, frankly though, these were SaaS companies, but they were serving into the SMB, the small business market. So they had pretty good retention and things like that, which is why they originally had SDRs. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of companies selling to SMB that took on SDRs within the last few years start to get rid of them. A lot of enterprise orgs are still keeping the traditional um, SDR AE model. But what I am seeing is I'm seeing newer startups recently raise. And instead of building out this traditional SDR bullpen and having maybe the executive team be the AE and then kind of build it out from there, which is, I think, the last few years, now they're just hiring a more senior AE to do full cycle right out the gate. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get them at a lower price point because of the market. And that's, that's a shift. And I'm like, well, if that works for this person, then let's try to build out the team around them. So that's a shift I've definitely seen um, in the last couple quarters or quarter. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing it, you know, with, with a lot of different people that, that we're talking to, it seems like that's where a lot of companies are, are headed for sure. 
Um, Travis, you were going to jump in and say something. Yeah, nah. The only thing I was going to add was that, like, um, crap. Did I forget now? Uh, there was something about SDRs being removed, and then we were talking about leaders being focused on experience. Oh, well, I think SDRs too, right? Like the 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 function just may be repurposed. It may be redefined, and the title may be different, right? But I think that there's still going to be a type of a need. So where you see a lot of social mar- like social media marketing within corporations, it's your it's your brand, right? It's Hey, we had this press release or this new blog post where there may be an opportunity for SDs to be repurposed in like the, this army of social media community builders, right. That are connecting with, you know, the, the right ICP and key accounts and they're adding value and they're building community. And, and it's just kind of creating this more of this social online presence in a, like in more of like a individual level than like the top corporate brand. Um, is that, is that a direction you could see companies moving in Gabe? Yeah, and I was just going to say also that that is for sure. And what's really uh, ter- that what's something that really needs to be thinking about from the I guess from everyone's perspective is that the goal of social selling, especially in the first ninety days, is not to generate leads and revenue. It's to build the brand, build engagement, create community. However, your company needs to manage you to leads and sales, right? So it, it's this really weird spot you're going to be in, which is I know my content can't be me constantly selling. But I know if I end up not selling through social, they'll say stop selling on social, which is if you think about it, the core responsibility of a salesperson, which and when I say that is I can't sound super selly, super salesy when I'm selling to you. I need to maintain my indifference. I need to focus on value and you. But at the end of the day, the true thing in the back of my mind is, am I hitting my sales quota? So we, we got to take that perspective also from the marketing standpoint um, where, yeah, reps are going to have this longer leash. Reps are going to be um, uh, posting over 90 days, trying to build community, but there does have to be a clear definition of, okay, well, when do we expect our first lead and when do we expect our second lead and what do we expect our conversion rates from these leads to sales? And as long as we have that balance between creativity and community while understanding the underlying way it impacts the business, I think that's the shift that we're going to see, um, happening. Yeah, I really like that creativity and community side of things because, Kev, to your point about building this army of um, reps, like I think that is a beautiful idea. And not only because like it just makes sense to me, but also like one thing I found when I was on a team, right, like in in seeing how we literally had one of the most diverse sales development teams that I've ever seen. Like we had a guy who was in his, you know, forties. We had someone who was just out of college. We had someone who was in their mid twenties. We had someone who was an AE before that was an SDR now, like all types of genders, races, all like literally everything. And I said to someone one time and I was like, could you imagine like for me being an African-American, if I went to sell to another African-American, whether or not people agree with this, it is what it is. They buy from people like them right so if i go to talk to another african-american at another company it's easier for me to have a conversation i don't care what anybody says it's the truth (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's one of those things i think isn't talked about enough and if you have a diverse like like i think of it as a cast now like if we're going deeper with it you have a cast of a show where you have six different characters all ages genders ethnicities backgrounds skin colors origins and you're reaching out to a hundred companies who all have those potential people. I'll connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. One of my first deals, just anecdotally sharing one of my first deals that I was a sales rep. I was put on warning. Like if you don't close your, it was like three weeks. I didn't close the deal. They're like, if you don't close the deal, you're done. And my first deal at the company was with another person who's also a Jewish Latino. I'm a Jewish South American, which is like one in the, you probably never have met one. And I get on the phone with <laughs> No, I have not. <laughs> right, And I get on the phone with two business partners. We're doing the demo. And guess what? They're both Jewish Latinos. And that ended up being my first sale at one of my first tech companies that got acquired that launched my career. So totally. Doesn't sound that crazy to me now that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love it. This has been, this has been fun, man. Um, is there anything else that you kind of want to add or, or um, chime in uh, before we, you know, wrap up here? 
most of the other people that sales reps will see online that are posting or generating leads also have the same, the same thoughts as the rep who isn't posting, which is, are people going to judge me? Is my content good enough? Is this really working? At the end of the day, they just say, you know what, I'm just going to try, I'm just going to do it anyways. And a lot of times that's the difference between a top sales rep in a sales environment also. I don't know if my calls will work. I don't know if my emails are going to work, but I'm not going to sit on my, my laurels. So that would be the last thing is for anyone who's thinking about it, the doubts you have, everyone else has the same doubts in their mind. They just choose to say, you know what, even though I doubt myself, I'm still going to do it anyways. So hopefully that can help a few people uh, get started. Yeah, you got anything to add? <laughs> no, nah, man, that's a good way to end. I think you're, I think you're right. Everyone, everyone kind of sees the light. Everyone's trying to figure out how to do it. Everyone has that imposter, you know, syndrome. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. We all, we've all been there. We all gone through it. It's like the way I explain it to rep sometimes it's like my first, you know, 500 cold calls were not a comfortable experience. Like <laughs> I was a 22 year old kid calling on CEOs. I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. But it's this, it's that same growth and evolution you have to go through. So everyone just get out there and try it. You're absolutely right. Like we're all, we're all kind of in the same boat. Just don't shit on people who are trying, like build each other up, help each other out, you know? Amen. Big facts. So, Oh, uh, one last thing, Gabe, where can people find you or your business? Yeah, well, alwayshired.com is a good place to find our website for anyone that uh, wants help breaking into tech, probably your friends or family if you're watching this, or if anyone that uh, wants sales trading for SDRs. I'm also active on social media, shocker. Uh, Gabe, <laughs> Gabe Moncayo is uh, my tag on uh, all my social medias pages <laughs> to finish that social sentence. medias channels pages i don't know what they are anymore i know Let's what's call the them channels now i'd <laughs> say channels on my social channels there you go Gabe yeah, yeah. what channel do you want people to tune into is kind of <laughs> so, so um well you guys heard that uh, alwayshired.com and then also gabe listed out all of his handles which i'm not going to remember right now but uh you guys can uh go ahead and rewind it 30 seconds to find that stuff out so uh, appreciate you, Gabe and um, Kevin. As always, you know this is great. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Gabe. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks, guys. No doubt. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learn something new, don't be shy. Let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice, day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.